Thought-provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK. Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer together again on the front center. Um, nice to see you guys. Thank you. Hi, Jim. Uh, this morning I want to ask my, my friends and my guests to uh, take a look at an issue that we've been talking about in this program on and off. Two issues here, really. One of them is affordable housing. I want to get to that in a moment or two. But before that, I want to talk about these uh, folks who've uh, set up this tent city in uh, Campbell Park, isn't it? Campbell, yep. Campbell Park, downtown. Uh, there's been some controversy about this. Uh, folks purporting to be homeless, uh, and then other people saying, no, they're not purporting to be. They're just they're saying that they're simply camping there. They do have homes, but they're trying to make a point. Um, there has been some complaints from the local residents. I understand that there are bylaws in place that say so you cannot live in a public park like that. Uh, police have been reluctant to move in because the police, uh, they don't look for confrontations. They'd rather everything just sort of, you know, things run along as smoothly as possible. Um, so they have not been, been aggressively pursuing any kind of campaign to get those people out of there. I want to start, before we talk about the larger issue that brings them there, I just want to ask each of you, what role is there for people who essentially, in a, in a mild way, but are defying authority and saying, well, we don't care whether we have the right to stay here or not. We're, we're here to make a point. We want to draw attention to what, what's going on. Um, I understand that, they, that there was an agreement at one point that they weren't going to set up downtown in Victoria Park, where they might well have done, uh, because there was concern that it might have led to some kind of problem, and they, they weren't looking for problems. They were just looking for publicity. Um, Jeff, I want to start with you, because I know you, you, you work with folks like this. You know some of these people. You have a strong interest in this issue. Is, is this the best way to do it? Is this the kind of thing that is going to draw positive attention? Because I'll tell you, what little program we've done, um, done about it here, most of the calls have been negative. Most of the calls have been of the, well, they, you know, they appear mostly to be young, healthy individuals. Why don't they go get a job? Are they helping themselves with this kind of a demonstration? Oh, yeah, because people do start talking about it, and, and obviously it's only part of uh, sort of a larger campaign to try to get some funding restored to uh, to housing for uh, for poor people, um, which was basically cut out in 1995. Uh, at that time, there were 20,000 uh, housing units that were either committed to be built or being built that were that were shut down and nothing's been built since then so they, they're trying to get it on the agenda but it is only part of it as you know um, a couple weeks ago there the um, uh, federal housing minister and the provincial housing ministers had a, had a uh, conference at the delta downtown um, and met uh, and at that point uh, they came up with sort of the first time i guess that they've come up with an agreement to uh, contribute 1.4 billion dollars to to get the the thing going again um, so this is part of it because it does raise awareness. Uh, there's also very uh, articulate, knowledgeable people who are lobbying. Uh, Michael Shapcott, uh, prominent among them, doing lots of writing for the Toronto Star and so on. Um, you've also got people like Susan Eagle who are lobbying locally to try and, and get things happening. I think part of the problem right now is that we've seen the federal and provincial governments download housing to the municipal government, which is really the wrong place for it, and th and they're not too happy about it. And we're afraid that what's going to end up happening is that nothing's going to end up happening. Uh, but but I guess from the standpoint of the people that are in the park downtown, to me the neat thing about that is that it's uh, following the Gandhi approach of nonviolent protest, and uh, you go someplace where you're not going to inconvenience people, and you just try to make a point. Uh, it's like the same deal with Ipperwash. That at Ipperwash, the uh, the natives specifically waited until the park was closed before they started the protest, said, okay, the park's closed for the winter, we just want to camp out here for the winter. What about the argument that was raised by several people on the program that who've been, and I, I've not been down there, so I haven't seen it, but several people who indicated they had been down there, 
Uh, and said, you know, it appears to be all people in their late teens, early 20s. Um, what are they doing there? These people, there are jobs for these people, minimum wage jobs perhaps. A little different maybe. If you've got a family, it can be really tough to make ends meet. We've certainly talked about it on this program. It'd be tough to find a place, an affordable place to put three or four people in your family. But a single individual, you know, the question has raised, been raised repeatedly. What are these people doing down there? They well, could get jobs, minimum wage jobs, but a single person can live on a minimum wage job. Well, that's the neat thing about it is that, uh, that some of the people down there are homeless, and this isn't an issue where they're asking for welfare. We're not, uh, you know, they're not asking, and I'm not asking for income. What they're asking for is housing for low-income people, which includes a lot of people who are working poor who, who can't find a decent place to live. How is that different from asking for welfare? But the nice thing about it right now is that the people who are down there are a mix of different kinds of people. There are lots of students down there, for instance, who are going to school. You know, they, they, they don't need jobs are going to school right now, but there are people who feel strongly enough about the issue that they're willing to come out and uh, sort of put their butts on the line, risk being arrested, live in an uncomfortable existence to try to help other people. And, and that's something that, that I think is, it's been a generation or two since we've seen young people willing to do that, and there's something happening well, it's now, not like there's a whole generation's worth, Jeff. There's a handful where, of them. Where now, you've right? got Seattle, where you've got Quebec City, where you've got all kinds of young people who are getting involved in political issues where we haven't for a couple of generations. And who in don't have 60, a clue the what they're they getting did. involved for or what they're fighting for. And it's so or cool what, that they're being altruistic, the but in this about. case, they're generally not fighting for themselves. They're fighting for other people, and I think that's I'm wonderful. In, in some respects, I'm proud as a parent <laughs> to think that we've raised a generation that are that socially conscious, that when well, they see bad things happening, they're willing to sacrifice to try and make it better. There's an argument to be made that they're fighting for other people wallets to get money out of it. Exactly it? what they're doing. In what sense? And they said so. They said so clearly, explicitly. They have been making the statements that that's what they're doing. This is a lobby. And I have to be blunt about this. I'll tell you right now, Freedom Party of Ontario set up a tent city tomorrow in the park. They'd arrest us. We'd be going well, to jail. that's untrue. I, mean, I, I don't think so. I can't remember the last time anybody was arrested for protesting oh. in London, Ontario. That's not the way we do things here. Well, I'm just sorry. Anybody, anybody who's not left-wing in this city, and I can document it, and it's in our flyers if you want to check it online, does not allowed to ha are not allowed to have their protest for more than the a few right seconds The right-wing doesn't have a, a political voice in this country? Not the just the right-wing. Right are not being heard? Good I'm Lord. not referring <laughs> oh just to the right-wing. <laughs> we, we don't all believe in state, state uh, you no, know, but control. That, that, that's an issue about whether or not you agree with the position that they're taking, and obviously some people don't. But the other question is, if you have a position, what's the appropriate way to try to publicize it? And is it good to go in a park? And this park, you know, is next door to uh, an agency, the Unemployment Help Center, that I chaired for seven years. This park is a park because it was given to the city on condition that they make it a park. It was a, it was a housing lot. There was a house there. The city, during that time that I was there, put minimal money into it. The fountain was broken. The uh, monument there was was let go to the point where you can't even read what it says, you know, this, but if the city doesn't call it a park, then they have to give it back to the estate. So they call it a park, but they've put minimal money into it. Uh, one thing that struck me about the people who are saying they're unhappy that these students are there is that uh, nobody suggested they want to go in the park. They've said they like looking at it from across the street, but nobody uses that park. The first thing the students did when they moved in was they cleaned up the garbage there. They cleaned up a dozen bags of garbage uh, in the place. So, you know, to I, I hope nobody's seriously suggesting this is a gem of a park for London and somehow we're being uh, put out by them being there. But does that not. change what they're after? They still want more taxes to, well, do, to buy housing. And you know what makes housing expensive is taxes. In this case, we've had $2 billion cut annually cut of, out of housing for low-income people in the last 10 years. The question is whether it's a good idea or not. I know you'll never think it's a good idea that you, you would prefer that nothing be spent on housing for poor people. No, but there I, are people who disagree with that. You know my stand on this. I don't believe in, in, in government-funded services. Well, if, if someone 
someone has a problem with poverty, then you help that person. You don't go and build housing. You make housing that exists affordable for the people who can't afford well, it. Well, that's exactly you, what Mike Harris said when he came into power. He said, you know, we're going to get the government out of housing because the private sector can do a better job. And if we just get rid of rent controls and get rid of some red tape, the private sector will rush in to build new housing. And we don't need the, the government sector to be involved. What we've seen over and over again, the, uh, the Development we're not Institute, rid of for all instance, those in Canada, or the, the head of the Development Institute in Canada, I can't remember his name, it was Phil something. Anyway, he said over and over again, we're not going to build low-income housing because we can't make as much money doing that. No, as no, no, that's not what he said. Things. No, that's not what he said. What he said was, we can't make any money building these things. That's because right. Because of the, the building codes. No, no, the that's build not what absolutely. he said. No, he certainly did not. And I followed this very closely. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, uh, well, whether he said it or not, it's true, because I've experienced it personally. Well, why do again, I have why to put a hundred dollar tap on the outside of my house? income places where the building codes are exactly the same. You know, those building codes exist for all housing, but they're saying we can make money because it doesn't cost that much more to build a luxury uh, apartment than it does to build a low-income apartment. The, the basic structure is the same. Well, that's true. So the, the extras are what uh, have the extra cost. So they say we can make a lot more money because we can charge a lot more rent because there are lots of people who can afford that rent in the high income scale. Look, last, so last, Tony Clement, the housing minister, minister last year, <laughs> tore a strip off them saying, you get, you said if we got rid of rent control, you said if we did these things, you would step in to do this. And, and the but development the said over and over and said, no, the we won't. Between we haven't got rid of rent control, by the way. Yeah. The difference between a $175,000 apartment condominium and a $75,000 basic apartment is more than just the fittings in the place. I mean, it's, it's misleading to suggest that these guys are upgrading these existing saying that this this thing would work either way, but they're going to spend more money on it and make it fancier so they can sell it for more money. It's not that simple. Well, it, Mike Harris said that it was that simple, that if he did these things, that they would come on board. And, and they said, by the way, all the way through, no, we won't. We don't want to be in low-income housing because it's not lucrative enough. Part of the reason it's not lucrative enough is because the shelter allowances of people who are on social assistance have been rolled back to 1989 rates. So the amount they can spend on rent is what they could spend in 1989. And the, the, uh, the housing industry is not stupid. They say, well, if that's our market, people who can only afford to pay 1989 rent include us out. There's other ways that we can invest our money that will make a lot more money. So anyway, the Harris government's been trying to get this going for six years and, it's, and nothing has happened. There have been no low-income housing built in Ontario in the last six years at all. So the question is, do you keep flogging that dead horse for another decade, you know, as things get worse and worse, or do you recognize, well, they said they wouldn't build it, they didn't build it, maybe they're serious and they're not going to build it. And in that case, maybe we got to get back into the, uh, the low-income housing game for government. Well, I spoke to a fellow named Abby Friedman yesterday. He's a professor at McGill in Montreal. He's one of the guys behind the, the grow home concept. Yeah, that looked kind of cool. Uh, and and a very fascinating story. They have houses for sale in Montreal from about seventy to thousand to ninety nine thousand dollars, including the lot and uh, and all the development fees. This is not touching the very bottom end of the housing affordability scale, but at seventy five or eighty thousand dollars, you're starting, particularly at today's mortgage rates, you're getting down to the point where somebody with a twenty five to thirty thousand dollar income and little help from CMHC can get into that home and maintain that home. Yeah, although that's not really where the where the housing crisis lies in the this crisis case, is below that yeah like 40 percent of londoners rent as it is so you're talking about the other 60 percent and there are certainly some of those 40 percent who it would be nice if we could get them into a single family home well, or a townhouse why i like my apartment i think that'd be great i i i support private ownership of property i think that's well, a good so thing do if I, do but it. that doesn't mean i have to have a pro uh, but, have but to have to own a property that's not what private ownership means by the way last week a government report came out saying that the average canadian spends 19 percent of his income on on clothing and shelter and everything but over 50 percent of his income on taxes now what does that tell you 
tells us that, that we tells have you a we live in a disgusting, sophisticated, we are society we've in ever trouble. had in this country. No, 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 no. Well, no. We are, we're we're heading for, for big, big, Our big standard trouble. of living has never, ever been higher under the and, under this system. We've never had a better system than we have now. Oh, Mr. We need, we need affordable housing, but yet it's, it's better oh, now than it's ever been. Median income for Canadians. Median income for Canadians is higher than it's ever been. Now, the part of the reason for that is because high income... But only in dollar value, not in spending value. But are you saying that if you lower taxes... I had a guy come into my office. between the rich and the poor. I have to tell you this story. Oh, my goodness. I had a guy come into my office a week ago, told me he emigrated to Canada from Liverpool in 1967, got a job at Ford's, got $500 a month. On that $500, he said he thought he'd died and gone to heaven. He says on that $500, he could afford to buy a house, buy a car, and have a vacation back to, to England for the year for a week. He says today yeah. he makes closer to the $100,000 mark, and he says if he wants to buy a pack of cigarettes, he's got to cash in his beer bottles. Because that's what well, it's I like think living he's today. Well, got to get down to some credit counseling. Well, that's, that, that's that pretty might sad. Be, but that's My the situation goodness. a lot of people in Canada are finding well, themselves in. Not the ones in. who have the slightest ability to budget. My God, the people my clients live not, on a, on eight hundred dollars a month for everything, everything, raising children on eight hundred dollars a month. He is budgeting. He, he is making men thousand dollars a year. He's Holy saying God. that he's spending way too much for what he's getting in terms of those dollars. So well, when you say people are making more dollars money for their cars, so what? But but the standard living is still higher than it's ever been. So, but anyway, fundamentally, so, the same. So the problem we've got you're basically is that saying that the government has gotten out of the business make of building low-income housing, say where where they used to spend two billion dollars a year. And the question is, how, how are we going to how are we going to house these people? Unfortunately, our population continues to improve to increase. Well, I, I want to change. I don't the focus. see that as being a problem. I want to change the focus just a little bit here. I have a great concern about this issue because I think. Uh, partly because I don't have an answer, and I don't like things to which I don't have an answer. Um, I'd like to find an answer to this. But it seems to me that if once we, once we say to ourselves, okay, people have a right to something which they have not earned, and we can argue all day long whether, whether the society is stacked against them, the deck is stacked against them, whatever. The reality is if you're going to subsidize somebody in anything by government, you're giving them something they've not earned. Once you do that, once you say, okay, you, you deserve affordable housing, whether you can pay for it or not, whether you've got an education, whether you've got a work ethic, whatever, let's suppose that we do that, that the government does get back in with both feet and gives them everything they want. What's next? Now do you... Does everybody have a right to an affordable automobile? Does everybody well, I've have never a, heard anybody suggest that. Well, but, not yet, but... but, uh, but you know, when I see Bombardier getting a billion dollars from the federal government, I think, yeah, they didn't earn that either, but uh, we're all happy to shovel that over, or maybe we're not. I don't no, know. No, we're not, Jeff. But, uh, so let's get coming, straight. Coming back That's to it, wrong, though, as far too. As housing, whether or not Canadians should have a place to live or not, I, I, I personally just think that they should, you know, and it shouldn't be that well, nice of a place. Well, that's not the issue, though, It shouldn't really it? be as nice a place as I have. Jeff. It shouldn't be nearly, nearly as nice a Jeff. place as wealthy Jeff. Canadians Hello. have. But they should have a place to live. over here. It shouldn't be Exposed wires sitting out for their children. That's not the way the Canadians should have to live. And I was so struck by the remark that, uh, in the paper on, uh, I think it was Saturday morning, that caused me to write a column responding to it, where the folks across the street said it looks like a third world shanty town. And I'm thinking, so what you're saying is you don't mind that we have third world shanty towns, you just don't want to have to look at them. Move, move, it out, move it somewhere except else. Except those people don't live like that. And you that's said so striking. Mo most of them are students it's who so are down there. They're not living you know, in a shanty town. And we've heard this town. over and over again, and, and that's been the Mike Harris approach, is that we've got to make our poor poorer and our rich richer to make our society better and the only way we can compete in the third with the third world in globalization is to make sure that our poor are as poor as their poor are and, how and that's that the direction that we are you talking about so we yeah. have the shanty yeah. towns 
you know, that becomes the new the new way of doing things. Jeffrey, what, did you have on, me? what did you have on your on your uh, uh, Wheaties this morning? Do you feel? Do you tell that I'm sort of upset about this issue. Well, no, I, I, I don't know about upset, but you're 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 confusing me and obviously riling Robert, which is fine. Cause that's why he's here. Jeff, take a, take a look at Matt. Me, do you actually think that I'm sitting here proposing that I want to keep people out of housing, that I don't want people to have homes, that I don't care about these people? I, think I understand you're saying that they shouldn't have the means to get them. In, the, in our society, where we have economists telling Excuse us that me, we stop, have stop. to have at least 6 to 7% unemployment in order to avoid Hello? inflation. If we don't Hello? have that, then we're going to have pressure on inflation. Which <laughs> when did, when did I say okay, that? Okay, okay, okay. Somebody has to be he had a question. He had a question for you. Yeah, yeah. He needs an answer for me. Ask the no. question again. When did I say that, that I want to deprive them of the means to have housing? I outlined a whole bunch of other means that you live? don't want to hear about. Where should they live? And how should they pay well, for it? Well, who are we talking about? We don't even have a concrete person we're talking about. We're talking about kids in the park who have told us publicly. Seen, and but I they want tax money. Some of them want to be there. They're there because they want to be. Some of them say they have addictions that they don't want to do anything about. I've never heard anything about addictions. I have there. it on tape. But, it, but it's certainly I'll, it's I'll a, a well-known way of sort of if you want to if you want to take something away from somebody, the first thing you do is just slam them. You say, well, you know, they're kind of okay, bad Jeff, people anyway. So the problem's not housing. The problem is them. addiction. What a terrible thing to say. They brought it up, not me. Lawyers, as there are addicted people in that part. Exactly, and that's why it's not an issue, is it? but they can afford it, so that's perfectly okay in our society. Well, in our society, it is, because they can't afford it, and that's the bottom that's line. What I, mean. and I don't think it is okay. I don't think it is so, okay. So, but being altruistic, if anybody's going to twist that around and say being altruistic in Canada is a bad thing, I just can't buy into that. There's no way you're going to ever persuade me of that. You're not being altruistic. You want to spend other people's money. You want to rob other people. Are the kind of people who I am very glad well, to how do you want to help? Rather than do that, why don't they get a job and give some of their money to the poor yeah. people? Well, I believe if these people have that university yet, because these are the leaders of tomorrow. These are the people who are going to be looking after the world when we're all in rest homes, and thank if, goodness if that they are decent people with good values, and they want to others, help what are other here people. For? They haven't bought into this that's whole capitalism, materialism, <laughs> it's all I can get for myself, that that's the only thing that matters. That's and not thank what goodness capitalism is about. believe that. These kids is about private ownership, home ownership. very much in our world today. Okay, we have to pause for a moment. We will be back with more on Left, Right, and Center. This is Talk of the Town, where interesting people talk and London listens. Left, Right, and Center, Jeff Schlemmer, Bob Metz with us. A lively one today. Gord wants to get in on it. Hi, Gord. How are you doing, sir? Good, thanks. Yeah, I just want to say something to both sides there. Um, being a tenant, and uh, a lot of us are like one paycheck away from <laughs> being out there. But at the same time, I have empathy for landlords because I've gotten to know them, and I'm a pretty good tenant. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, one of the things you want to create communities instead of ghettos, and one of the ways is make sure landlords, uh, the small landlords, feel comfortable in renting and they stay in the market and uh, maybe give them uh, incentives like tax breaks and also recourse in case you do get a bad tenant, in case, so a bad tenant yeah. doesn't ruin it for the rest of us. Jeff, let me ask you about that, because this is thing that, uh, something that comes up repeatedly with small landlords, and I'm a small landlord, I've been there. Uh, the situation where, for whatever, for whatever reason, you get stiffed by, by a tenant, and it happens a lot. Uh, I say a lot. How it's, it's happened to me a half a dozen times in 20 years, but each of those times has cost me $1,000, $2,000. Yeah. No, no. Money which I can't afford. Um, how do you? How would you feel about any kind of a uh, support system, uh, 
um, subsidy system, whatever you might call it, to ensure that those landlords are not going to get screwed if somebody disappears in the middle of the night. I think that's a great idea, and it actually reminds me of something. I just came back from uh, vacation in Yellowstone Park, and they introduced uh, wolves there in 1985 from Alberta, and uh, the ranchers around there were not happy about it, saying wolves are going to kill our cattle. So they set up a fund um, to be funded by sort of bleeding heart green types um, to reimburse the ranchers for, for cattle that were killed, and also to pay for um, uh, wolf-proofing of different types, and they've done all kinds of neat things. And, and I agree, there's no reason that the rancher should have to bear the loss if environmentalists want to have wolves around. There's no reason individual private landlords should have to bear the loss if uh, if we collectively disagree. want to house the poor. Why is that? Well, I, I don't, because you're, that ends up the taxpayer subsidizing that tenant again. Only the landlord's getting the money this time. We haven't changed a thing. Although it's better for the landlord, we haven't addressed the issue. The issue being affordable housing. Like, every time someone improves his home today, he gets penalized for it by the mm -hmm. state. Like, I mean, if you fix your house up, put a pool in the yard, uh, clean it up, you're going to get a higher tax yes. when the assessor comes around. That's utterly that's, that's insanity. Not new. That's been the case I didn't say time. it was new. I said no. it was stupid. We said today. <laughs> and no, it well, is stupid. Well, what about, like, an, an insurance by some of these agencies that, well, that the landlord can go to, the, you know, some kind of tribunal or yeah. something? Well, we have crop say, okay, he was stiffed. And he, he has some uh, way of uh, re uh, recourse yeah, or compensation. Yeah. Well, Bob, well, Bob, we're not looking for, for perfection here, but you got to start somewhere. I mean, what Well, if you want some sort of thing to protect yourself with, and it's been resisted because I know that I was involved in trying to form something like this, and that was a tenant registry board so that landlords could go to a reliable body and check the records of tenants. Well, that exists. Now, there's and, a company uh, in Toronto that does that, and they record all the Well, all that's evictions. good to hear that something like but that, all that means, is then, finally is that available. If somebody runs into trouble, they are that one check away from being evicted, and, and the bad thing happens, so they can't pay the rent, then it just means that they can't ever live anywhere. Like, where are they going to go? Well, and then that's somewhere. another a separate issue. Well, Jim's Jim asking, what can a landlord do to protect himself? Another thing you, sh you should be able to have the right to do is kick those people out the minute you know they're trouble. You shouldn't have to go through all this rigmarole. Well, having said that, uh, landlords have far and away the fastest access to court of anybody in Canada. In, in Ontario, you can evict somebody for non-payment of rent in a little over a month. But not and fast enough to prevent a loss of several thousand visa, dollars. If you're CIBC and you want to sue somebody because they didn't pay their credit card, it's going to take you eight to ten months. If you want to sue your next-door neighbor over a fence to spend, it's going to take you three or four yeah, years a in a court. Situation. So to be able to get anything out of a court in four or five weeks is light speed. Well, I would, I, I'd wonder how many landlords get satisfaction in four or five weeks. Certainly not the ones but, I hear from. Well, if they get a good, good credit legally, well. Bob, though. What's mm -hmm. that? I gotta say one thing to Bob. Yeah, quickly, Gordon. Number okay. done. Okay, if the guy who earns a hundred grand and has to turn his beer bottle bottles into buy cigarettes, you have more. If he was on welfare, you'd be beating him to death. <laughs> Thanks for the call today, Gordon. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, well. Okay, so that's not the solution. Where do we go from here? We've got a couple of minutes left. I'm not looking for overall solutions here, but what would be the next step? Bob, what would be your next step to resolve this issue? And I'm, I'm not, not talking in a broad philosophical sense, although I know you chastise me that for that regularly and say you have to take the broad philosophical view. But we have a situation here. We do have people who are having difficulty finding affordable housing. We do have a lot of small landlords these days who are getting right out of the business, particularly in my neighborhood in Old South. Mm -hmm. I've talked about this before. People are selling those little duplexes to families who are converting them back to single family, and those small apartments are disappearing because they can't con they can't afford to keep them with rent controls because we still do have rent controls, and the the uh, uh, energy costs last year just crippled them, just absolutely crippled them, and they have no recourse if they pay the uh, the utilities, which many of these small duplex which, which our conversions our wonderful do. governments provide for us. Well, so uh, what, again, what, what should we do? I think we should. L 
the tax on a home should only be for services received. That would lower the average home's taxes to about $300 a year. We should reduce regulation on homes. We should direct any government assistance, which I, I see as a last resort, not as a first. But if you are going to direct government assistance, you would direct it to the individual, not to an industry that starts becoming an entrenched interest and then starts milking the taxpayer forever and ever and ever without ever solving the housing crisis. Because that's... if, if I, I've got reams of newspaper articles back at my office going back 30 years and I can pick a, a newspaper article from then whose headline would look exactly the same as today's on the same issues. I mean, these there are always poor people am amongst us. It's always up to people who are charitable and able to help to help. What I always object to is that I don't think anyone has a right to force you to help somebody, Partic particularly when you well, disagree with that person. One thing that, that I will say is that I frankly don't care whether low-income housing is owned by the government or by a private sector, but uh, it needs to get built, and uh, it's not getting built and hasn't been built for the last six years. So either the government needs to, to somehow persuade these builders with whatever incentive it takes to get building or else they need to do it themselves. What's it's got to get built. What's wrong with Bob's idea of focusing on the individual? And, and maybe we don't need low... Well, that's what in, I mean. We don't need low-income housing at all. Maybe we just need subsidies for some people and they live in the same housing as you or me or Bob. Oh, and that's the ideal, obviously, that you want to have mixed neighborhoods. But uh, I, I'm saying that, yeah, that if they want to raise shelter allowances to a level where landlords are willing to buy in, then let's go private. That's fine with me. But we, but we can't have it both ways. The government is saying they expect the private sector to operate in low-income housing, but the government's not willing to make it economical. How many economical. people would you estimate, because this is your field, how many people would you estimate in the city of London are, are living in substandard housing today? And I don't mean just it's too small and it's not as fancy as they'd like. I mean substandard housing. How many people do you think there are? Um, well, yeah, you're talking about don't meet building code and, and there may be dangerous well, conditions. There's got to be, what would there be, maybe 20,000 at least? 20,000 people? At least. And wh oh, sure. where are all these substandard buildings located? Uh, well, they're all over the place. Uh, there's a lot in East London. At one time, Shine Apartments was the uh, poster child for it, but there are other ones. A lot of them are small places that are not well-maintained. I dealt with a, with a situation last week where a landlord came in and had uh, shut off the hydro, shut off the water. Uh, the place is, is a disaster. Um, when he was ordered to restore hydro, he ran an extension cord from the house next door. Uh, that's his idea of putting the hydro back on. Uh, those fights go on. How much money do the tenants own for hydro? Uh, none. In this case, the landlord is supposed to be paying it. He took the a property over from a bank with a foreclosed. Okay. Gentlemen, we're out of time, I'm sorry to say, but I appreciate having you here as always, and I'm sure we'll pick this up again the next time around. I know this is something that all three of us care about, although each of us has a little a slightly different viewpoint on it. I would hope that at some point soon that this kind of disparity of... of, uh, of uh, uh, What's the word I want? The difference in our in our opinions may we may be able to remove some of the distance there and find some better answers, but it's got to happen at a level higher than this, and I don't see that happening, which troubles me. I don't see the go the government talking to the Jeff Schlemmers or the Bob Metzes about this, and that kind of troubles me that they seem to have put their head down and they're just plowing ahead and and. They're not helping the problem, and I don't think they're setting us up for any better solutions in the future. That's what troubles me about the whole thing. I Gentlemen, agree. thank I you both. Too. Thanks, Jim.